Our guest today has played 83 games for the Hawks. He scored 1,030 runs with a high score of 70 not out. We're very excited to have the big man here with us today. Welcome, Dean Croft. Welcome, Crofty. Thanks, mate. Good morning, guys. How are we all? All the listeners very, out very there. Very formal introduction yeah. from uh, Crofty there. Uh, I know you look. You, you, you won't want to admit it, but yeah, the the best year stats were before the Hawks. I know we we, we do have to say that. I mean. Uh, only 1,030 so far for the Hawks, but uh, yeah, back in Victoria, obviously many, what, three decades of playing? How old are you? Are you are you pretty old, so... I'm old, Job. I'm not that old, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, most of my cricket was played in Melbourne uh, pre-my cricket, so basically when the kids come along in the early 2000s, that's when I uh, pretty much gave up the playing properly and... Uh, just mucked around a little bit in the um, vets and in the one-day comp every so often. But uh, yeah, had a few years off as well once Joel was born and uh, believe it or not, took up umpiring for three years Ooh. because I was allowed to do that because I was getting paid to umpire where I was spending what I get paid at the, over the bar <laughs> on a Saturday night. So uh, that was a different thing at, at home. So good. Well, we'll get into the playing career um, and your time in Melbourne, but how? what's life been like for you and the family during this off-season? Crofty, obviously a, a, a strange time with all the coronavirus stuff. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been pretty normal, luckily. We, uh, uh, we've all kept our jobs, which is uh, probably the main thing. I was set up to work from home, but didn't have to. I kept going into the office, right. but was set up just in case. Uh, uh, my wife works night, uh, she does night fill at Coles at Helensvale, so she was very busy uh, stocking toilet paper and pasta and things like that. Um, and both the boys kept their jobs as well, so it's been pretty good. Like, had a lack of sport like everyone has, which has been a bit frustrating. Uh, just things we take for granted that we get out and do, but uh, just haven't been able to do it. But uh, we're slowly getting there. And family and friends in Melbourne. Uh, must be hard seeing the situation escalate down there. Yeah, it is. You speak to them and uh, they're, in, they're in a lot of trouble down there. So, uh, like, my hardest part, just like all my family, um, parents and brother in Melbourne. Um, so, I was able to get down there in November last year for Mum's 80th. So, uh, the boys come with me for the weekend. Uh, so, caught up with everyone. But sort of want to go down there now because you know, all you can do is talk to them on the phone and uh, you, you sort of don't realise how much you miss them until times like this. Mm. So, yeah, but they're getting frustrated. Obviously, everyone is because especially now they're in lockdown yeah. and, you know, the parents are both in their 80s now. So, uh, you know, they're in that high-risk area. So, mm. yeah. Uh, well, tell us a bit about, I guess, yeah, the background. So you're born and bred in uh, Melbourne, eastern suburbs, were you? Or? Yeah, born in a place called... I was born at Mitcham Hospital, but uh, lived in Forest Hill, uh, which is the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, about 15 k's out of the city. Grew up there, then stayed in that area almost all my younger life. And then uh, when I built my first house, uh, which was down in a place called Berwick, which is in the southeastern suburbs, which is about 40 k's out of the city. It was just purely a price thing why we went down there and uh, were down there at Berwick until we moved up here in 2015. So, yeah, seen the, uh, like Berwick was initially basically a country town and is now part of the metropolitan Melbourne now. So. I know your, uh, your brother, Darren, uh, 
is a good well, a good cricketer too, and uh, I guess so. Was cricket always in the family? Sort of, uh, yeah. Did your old man play and that kind of thing? Yeah, I, yeah, I was basically uh, born as a budding cricketer. Um, my start off, my grandfather, my grandfather uh, played district cricket or what they call Premier cricket. I think up here, mm-hmm. um, he uh, played and he coached at Premier cricket. He he uh, played Victorian seconds and was. Uh, he got twelfth uh, man for Victoria. That's his claim to fame, sort of thing. He, but he played a lot of years of district cricket in Melbourne. Was he a bowler or a batsman? He was a batsman, yeah. opening batsman, so uh, and a wicketkeeper too, mm-hmm. actually. So uh, then my dad, he was uh, he was a leg spinning all rounder, and then my brother is five years older than me, and he's a uh, top order bat. Mm-hmm. So and then. Along came me, so some could say I'm the uh, black sheep of the family. <laughs> I do uh, the the word you use there. Uh, you were born a budding cricketer. Budding uh, is, is a good word. Being uh, that there's a story I know I've seen an article clipping where I think the headline is something about a budding Bradman or something like that, and the photo is of the young Dean Croft. The young Dean Croft, about ten years old. Yes, that's true, Connor. Um, <laughs> probably about now. I regret. Uh, some drunken moments showing you some clips of the past, but um, no, I, I think I was 11, I was 11 uh, doing pre-season for under-12s training yeah. back in Melbourne and uh, the local uh, photographer and the journalist uh, from the local paper came down and just, he uh, was taking some photos and it happened to be me, I was batting in the nets and they did a little story, but the... Uh, <laughs> The headline on the back page of the local paper had "Budding Bradman" with a question mark. And, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was uh, I was batting in the nets, and I was commenting on my helmet that was in place because that was about the stage when helmets were introduced into junior cricket. So uh, yeah, that was uh, I've still got the still got the uh, photo at home tucked away. <laughs> Comes out now and then. Occasionally, yes. <laughs> and what was your what was your first junior club that you played for? Played for Blackburn. Yeah. Um, which stayed was, there through your juniors? Uh, yeah, I, I started at Blackburn when I was eight. I wasn't allowed to play before then. I used to go along on the whites every week uh, before that to watch my brother play. And then straight from uh, juniors in the morning to the seniors to watch dad and uh, you know, run around and then... Progressed yeah, through there, right through uh, to under-16s is the highest they go. And then in, I started playing seniors when I was 12 mm-hmm. down there. So there was no uh, age restriction My back right. then. So, What's um, it like playing men's cricket as a 12-year-old? Well, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I was, like, I was playing in fifth grade, yeah. which was the lowest grade back there. And it was mainly the old fellas. Yeah, they, most of them looked after you pretty well. Um, and yeah. We had a few guys on our side that if anyone picked up one of their little boys mm. that they sort of pulled them up. But it was, wasn't too bad. I was, I was able to sort of hold my own yeah. in, in fifth grade, but the following year I went up to fourth grade as a 13-year-old and that got a bit more intense yeah. back then, so I had to grow up pretty quickly. Yeah. Did you get an opportunity to play with your dad and brother? Did you ever play in the same game? I did. Um, it happened. It actually happened when I was... Uh, I was 14 years of age. Dad was captaining the thirds that year. I was playing in the fours, and the brother was playing in the firsts. Mm-hmm. And the last game of the year, all three sides, we couldn't make the finals. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, the club decided to drop a brother down to the thirds, which I still don't think he was too happy about. <laughs> uh, and I got put up to the thirds. So all, all three of us uh, had a game together and the you know the family photos beforehand, and it was a big thing and yeah. something I'm proud of. And I uh, my best memory of that game was. Uh, but like I say, my dad was a leg spinner and I dropped a catch at deep mid-wicket off dad. Um, I could still remember the uh, him kicking the ground and swearing and cursing. He uh, he had a fast bowler's mentality, but he got leg spin. And I could feel the eyes burning burning from a distance. And uh, he, uh, I can remember some of the... Some of the older boys in the team go, settle down, Bob, he's your son. <laughs> and his uh, answer was, I don't care, he's playing senior cricket and uh, he should catch that. So <laughs> I, I left out the words that he actually said. <laughs> uh, before we get into like sort of, uh, I guess, the Queensland part of uh, your life, I guess, but I mean... Uh, I, I know you've had like the chance to be, I guess, uh, with like some people like David Saker. Some pretty well-known, uh, I guess, people in the cricketing world. Yeah, you know, Dave Saker was a couple. Well, was just a couple of years older than me, but he played for a neighbouring club to where we played, but went to the same school. So he predominantly played against my brother in junior cricket and early senior cricket. And like I say, I was just a little brother who hung around and all that. So was fortunate enough to play Dave uh, as a young bloke, and he was quick enough for me back then. <laughs> Then Dave went on and he went to Richmond in uh, district cricket and, and and as I say, the rest is history for him. He played district cricket and then went on to play a lot of years for Victoria, uh, then went down to Tasmania to finish his career. So, so I sort of stayed in touch with him. He lives up on the Sunshine Coast now, so occasionally, you know, say good day to him and all that. And when he was coaching Victoria and the Renegades, so... Uh, we were lucky enough, Sykes was able to get us in, me and the boys into the rooms and uh, even into a few training sessions with them and uh, it was all good. Um, you guys got to meet Morley. The, arguably, it depends how you look at it, arguably the greatest bowler ever. I mean, you guys got to, to meet Morley? Yeah, we, um, there was the, the Junction Oval in Melbourne. Uh, this particular year, the Renegades were having a centre week at practice. Mm. Um, it was just before their season started for the Big Bash and... They were a few players short, so uh, myself and uh, myself and the boys got invited to field wow. as part of the the intra club game <laughs> they were having. And my claim to fame there was uh, Nathan Reed and absolutely smashed one, <laughs> and uh, the big fellas run around the boundary and taking a screamer on the boundary. You know? <laughs> oh, so uh, that was that was a bit of fun, but uh, also Simon Helmet, who coached Victoria and has coached Australia A and. Uh, and the Renegades, obviously, he uh, he was played under 12s with me. So as he keeps telling everyone when I'm around, I was his first captain in cricket. So <laughs> he went on to play Premier Cricket or District Cricket, and uh, then obviously his coaching has gone through the roof. So mm-hmm. same thing, he was able to get us into the rooms, and uh, yeah, we were pretty fortunate. Like especially the boys being mm-hmm. able to get in the rooms amongst uh, the players. So yeah, yeah. it's good. Now, did you have a uh, a favourite player growing up? Uh, not look, not really. But back in you know back in the eighties when I was a teen, obviously Greg Chappell mm-hmm. as a bat and Lily as a bowler and all that sort of thing. But you know, like no, it's not really one that stood out. You know, like obviously when Warney came along, 
morning was just incredible. So uh, you know, I remember Bertie's chat uh, a while ago about it, but Warning was just a freak. And um, you know, to me, a lot better than uh, Murley. Murley took a lot of wickets on the uh, on the decks overseas, which uh, favoured him, but Warning took him everywhere. So uh, yeah. Moving uh, up to the Gold Coast, so what, five years ago now? Yes, June 2015, we moved up. So through work, I uh, got a, basically got an offer, too good to refuse, mm-hmm. um, to come up with work. Uh, so had to be one in, all in back at the time. So uh, at the time, my oldest boy, Brad, he was uh, 16 and heavily entrenched in sport down there with baseball and had a girlfriend. So he was a he was a hard task <laughs> uh, task to get up here. He didn't want to come. Uh, Joel was really keen. Because uh, he was uh, he was thirteen, he was really keen, and my wife was really keen. So um, Brad gave us a fair bit of heartache about it, and then it come down to you know basically we decided is it fair that a sixteen year old's going to dictate my career? Mm-hmm. So we had a good heart to heart and said, look, when you're eighteen, you can go back to Melbourne if you like. Um, so he moved up reluctantly mm-hmm. and. Probably after about six months, it went the other way where Brad was so happy we come up here and Joel was a bit hard to get. He just found it a bit different, the lifestyle and everything. Yeah. So he was expecting it all to be theme parks and beaches and all yeah. that like when it's on holidays, but a different story going to school. So yeah. uh, where Brad tried the long distance relationship as a 16 year old, we know it's never going to work, yeah. uh, but he knows best. Um, and then he eventually, after about nine months, they called it quits. It was just too hard, and he's fallen in love with a uh, Queenslander. Mm. And if we went back to Melbourne tomorrow, he'd stay. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, so no, it all worked out well. Yeah, it's hard with those massive life decisions at the time, but then it's only with time, I guess, you can reflect back and see the benefits. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. We, um, I, like I know myself and my wife, we couldn't go back to Melbourne now. Just love it, the lifestyle up here. It's really mm. good. So. After this beautiful weather that we're having, it's um, fantastic. So. Yeah. Mm. so, did you get straight into cricket, basically the first summer you are up here? No, we moved up to June 2015. Um, so, by the time the cricket season came around, we were still getting settled up here and spoke to Joel about cricket because he'd been playing juniors in Melbourne. Uh, he didn't want to play. He, that was when he sort of was a bit you know, down in the dumps about moving up here. So in the end, we got him into the start of the 2016-17 season. So we come down, we saw the Hawks had a uh, registration day, sign-on day. Uh, so we just walked in unannounced and first person who greeted us was Conrad at the door. And uh, by the time we walked out, I was signed up to play seniors. And, uh, <laughs> it was all good. So yeah, so we've had a very enjoyable four years here so far. I guess let's uh, let's get into your playing career, Crofty. Um, two halves, I guess, well, more than two halves, three quarters and one quarter in your time with Melbourne and your time here. Um, what is a, I guess, describe first, describe what was your playing style, um, primarily a batsman? Yeah, I was, uh, like in juniors, you obviously dabble with a bit of everything. Um, I was, uh, like, under 12, so I was a... Bat. I was always predominantly a bat and tried to bowl medium pace in under 12s. Uh, then in 
under 14, so I ended up wicket keeping mm -hmm. because we didn't have anyone, so I'll have a go. So I did that. Then under 16s, we had a, had a keeper, so I then was dabbling in leg spin, trying to take over from the old man. Mm -hmm. um, not very successfully. Uh, so I got playing into the seniors and I was bowling leggies as well, uh, but batting top order and bowl, you know, my half a dozen overs in the seniors sort of thing. It wasn't going too bad. And then as a uh, as an 18-year-old, we got a new coach into the club who, he was a spinner. So mm -hmm. that put, put an end to my spin bowling. Yeah. So, so I just tried to concentrate on my batting from then on. So yeah, but batting is number one. Yeah. And at your peak, where uh, Crofty in full flight, where would have you? Where were you playing? Did you play a few first grade games? Or yeah, no, I, I can tell you the stat. I played eighty four first grade games wow. at Blackburn, because um, I saw that during the week. <laughs> but played eighty four games in the in the ones at Blackburn. So I batted anywhere between or opened and and five. Uh, when I first came in, I played it, started at six, uh, but. Uh, mainly, my, my main spot at Blackburn was uh, usually opening, opening or uh, three, number three. And so were you like a fairly steady type of opener, or were you a guy that went after the bowlers a bit? No, I was more a, uh, I was more a steady, slow and steady. And like back then, it was two day cricket, and we played uh, eighty overs a day. Nice. Um, we had we only played two one days a year, which was mm. the first two games after Christmas, but. And it was two-day cricket. Back then, uh, this was pre-T20 and all mm. that, so the focus on run rate and strike rate and all that wasn't there. It was like you go out to open the batting, the, the thing ringing in your head from the coach with wickets in hand at T. So yeah. um, you prefer to be none for 80 or 40 overs at T than three for 110. Mm. So it was wickets in hand at uh, T that set, uh, set up the platform for the assault after T because... Mm. By five o'clock, the yeah, it's pretty tired. Everyone's pretty tired out there, and it's cash in the last hour, and that last 16, 17 overs in the last hour generally gets you, you know, over hundred runs in that last hour. So yeah. um, the aim was always to be only you know one or two for at most at tea, you know, for hopefully around a hundred, mm -hmm. and then uh, you make over two fifty, which wins you most games. Yeah. And so a couple of highlights from down there, you scored 300s, two, or your two biggest scores in the space of only a matter of weeks. Yeah, you I had must a, have been seeing the ball pretty well at that point. Yeah, I had one real good year. Look, um, unfortunately for me, I was a very good at getting starts and getting some very good 20s and 30s and then get out. So mm. throw it away most times. Um, I was... Like I say, I'd do, the, do all the hard work and all that sort of thing. And then when I try to get a bit adventurous, that's when I'd get myself out. But I got, uh, there was one particular year, I think it was, I think it was 94, 95. I made 580 runs for the year mm. um, from the 11 games. There was two two games apart. I got a 130 and 125. Mm. So uh but both the, I remember both of those games. Once I got to my hundred, I got the next twenty-five or thirty in about eight balls. So yeah, I, uh, yeah. I was happy to get out once I get that hundred. But yeah, uh, yeah and I got a hundred and two uh, not out, uh, and that was my first one. So I always remember that. Mm -hmm. But 
I believe it or not, I made a 98 one day and I still have nightmares about that 98 <laughs> just thinking what could have been. So, How yeah. did you, was that before? Was that the first, would have been your first time? No, no, mm. that would have been number four. Okay. And uh, yeah, I just it basically, we, I remember the innings because we were in a lot of trouble. We were uh, we were five for 40 this particular day and uh, myself and the coach put on a big partnership and uh, then... Um, yeah, I was still in it, coming into the last over, and I was 98 coming into the last over, and I knew because um, they had it up on the scoreboard. So uh, there's a bloke on left arm, uh, left arm over, and uh, flicked it, bolted under my legs, and I've just flicked him perfectly. <laughs> and uh, the guy who was fielding it, fine leg, was their opening bowler, had done his groin and couldn't move, and yeah. he didn't have to move. He, oh, he took his chest height right on the fence. So. <laughs> I could have, in hindsight, just tickled it around the corner if we could have run to because yeah. he couldn't move. But uh, yeah. no, back then, being young and stupid, tried to bring it up in the nice glory shot. shot yeah. nice so, that's, but yeah, that was it. And some good memories from your time playing down there? Yeah, plenty of memories, great memories. There was a, look, the club, uh, Blackburn, that I was at, I, uh, I played there, like, as I said earlier, my brother and father were involved they're both life members mm -hmm. of that club now but yeah played there and was around there so a lot of my mates were all from that club we won premierships together we uh, had some great times um, yeah so that was I, I left Blackburn uh, I did leave Blackburn in uh, the mid 90s mm -hmm. um, I went to I got offered to coach another club in the in a different comp, wow. so I went. I went there and I coached captain coach for four years in a different comp. But as much as I loved the place where I went to, pretty much as soon as I got in the car after the game, I was straight on the phone to my brother to say, "How'd you go today?" So yeah. the heart was still at Blackburn, even yeah. though I was I was coaching Dufton North in the in the Dandenong comp. So yeah. that was hard. Yeah. And I remember because at the time when I left, my brother was coach at Blackburn. Wow! And I had to ring him and say. Uh, yeah, I got some bad news for you. And he said, what's that? And I said, oh, I've taken a coaching job with me and another comp. And he said, I thought you said you had bad news. So <laughs> <laughs> he, was, uh, he, wasn't that, he wasn't too upset. But that was up the year after I'd had the really big year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, believe it or not, I enjoy a uh, bit of the social side after the games. <laughs> and, Don't say. And that, uh, the reason I left was... Because we had moved to Berwick yeah. uh, a couple of years before, and um, I was that was about a forty-minute drive from Blackburn, and I was uh, Thursday nights and the Saturdays in my last year at Blackburn. Back yeah. know, then, I uh, I got booze bust eight times going home, and I was doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, I'd have two beers, and then you know, like sit around and have a couple of cokes or waters, and and drive home. But still, when you come over the hill and there's these flashing lights, it was a bit of a oh, this is just a bit risky, yeah. even though I'd done the right thing. So I sort of made a couple of inquiries down closer to home. Yeah. And luckily they put the feelers out about me and they'd just seen my previous year's yeah. stats and they came back to me rather than playing and asked if I'd be interested in coaching. So mm. I'd never had any interest in the coaching side mm. of it. And I did it and I, like I say, I coached for four years, my fourth year we got into a semi-final, so yeah. we've basically gone from solid dwellers to into the semis and we lost, but I, at the end of that four years, I felt that I got as much as I could out yeah. of the group, and I thought the timing was right to bring an outsider in mm -hmm. as coach, 
who could bring some fresh ideas, plus hopefully a couple of players. So mm. I was going to stay on. So I did. I stayed there for another two years. But unfortunately, they didn't get a coach. They advertised and they didn't get anyone. So they just appointed from within the club. Yeah. So if I knew they were going to do that, I would have done it again. Yeah. But not to be. So I had, like I say, I ended up six years there at the club. And um, then the kids come along. So I I kept playing when Brad was born, but when Joel was born, I uh, did the right thing by Nadine and, um, like I say, said I wouldn't play, and you know, which got out of training and all mm. that side of things. And then I uh, had three years off, which I umpired, and then I uh, slowly crept back to Blackburn and mm. was filling in the odd game here and there. And uh, once the boys were old enough, they were. I was taking them to cricket with me, so that was no pressure from uh, Nadine yeah, then because the I was taking. I was taking the uh, boys with me and then my father was there to look after the kids mm. while I was out in the field, so it yeah. all worked out well. Yeah. How, did, how was umpire? Yeah. How, how was, how, did that change how you saw the game? Um, yes, it was, look, it was very different at the start. It was like I, they put me into fourth grade first up, which uh, first game of the season by myself. Mm-hmm. And then I got a very good report there because down in Melbourne the two captains get together at the end of the game and they have to do an umpire's every report game. every game so yeah. they judge you on your punctuality your appearance your uh, decision making mm. just knowledge of the game and all that so luckily enough with my playing background I was able to you know go pretty well so my first game I umpired I actually had Stephen Milne the AFL footballer mm. from St Kilda the, the tip rat uh, as he's known and he doesn't shut up. And <laughs> I just had a little subtle word to him. I said, mate, I've played a lot of cricket. The crap you're carrying on with doesn't cut up with me, so mm. just get on with it. Yeah. And he was good as gold then. So I went to the third grade next game, did it by myself as well, got a great report. Then I went to the twos of the next game. So I then I had a partner. And mm. having a partner was so much easier mm. because... Uh, you can sort of switch off a bit when you go to square leg. It's yeah. just not a full ADR, just concentrating. And I did uh, three games in the second grade there and then got into first grade and uh, then did from then on in first grade, which the first year it felt different, mm-hmm. you know, because you walk off at the end of 80 over standing in 30 degree heat yeah. and you think, what have I got out of this? Yeah. You know, where you're used to walking off as a winner or a loser. Yeah. The second year I really, really enjoyed it. It was pretty good cricket and best seed in the house as they say and then the third year it would start to get uh, no I prefer sitting under a tree having a beer watching or playing and that's when I gave it up then because I wasn't enjoying it as much. Mm. Fascinating, do you bring some of that down to the some fifth grade (laughs) fifth grade matches some of your umpiring expertise? Wow yeah I'm an expert from uh, when we're in the field in particular (laughs) quite Quite keen to give the, the umpire some uh, advice, but uh, no, I, look, I think a lot of people don't understand the old B rule, mm. to be honest, yeah. I, and I, I probably didn't as well as what I did, like, down there they had, we had, uh, like, basically umpire school every second uh, Wednesday night, we wow. had during the season, we, we had to go to, the umpires had their own club rooms down there. Um, so we'd go there and the umpire's advisor was usually a district cricket umpire mm-hmm. and he'd go through and he'd have a rule of the week or mm-hmm. whatever and they'd read through your reports from the captains. Um, if there was a common 
theme there, he'd bring that up and all that sort of thing, and it, they'd pull you aside and say, look, we've got this report from last week and they reckon you're over the top on this or whatever. Mm. But that was really good. It's pretty um, high standard, yeah. It was, it, it was. And the, un the only unfortunate thing, and with much respect to our umpiring fraternity, mm. there was a lot of elderly gents mm. who were umpiring down there mm. and their main thing was how many LBs did you give, how, mm. many, how many blokes did you report. Oh, right, where my first thing would be you come back to the umpire's rooms on a Saturday night to drop your paperwork in, mm. I'd say, you know, how did you go today, you know, who won yeah. or who made runs or who made wickets, oh, uh, who took wickets. Yeah. But their thing was how many LBs did you give yeah. and I'm, you blokes have got it all wrong. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's when I really thought, no, nah, this is not for me because they're a different breed. <laughs> Loving this umpire too. <laughs> we have a lot of uh, listeners and club members, especially in the lower grades, who are responsible for umpiring their teammates, myself included. What uh, what advice would you give to um, someone who is yeah, forced, to, forced to umpire? Um, just basically you're in control of the game when you're out there and don't get... Uh, don't get swayed by the opposition screaming at you, you know, appealing, constant appealing. If you make a mistake, you, you think, oh, I might have got that wrong, he might have hit that one or mm. whatever. The biggest mistake you can do is then try and even up. Yeah, sure. Because generally, then you've made two mistakes. Mm. Right, just, you, like Ernie, you umpire your own game while you're out there. Don't get sucked in by people like me who are in the field, you know, saying that was out or whatever. Basically, if you don't think it's out, don't give it out. Mm. Like the old benefit of the doubt goes to the batsman. And there's so many times, it's even with official umpires, that the first two elbows are absolutely plumb and mm. given not out. But mm. the third one's, the third one's uh, nowhere near out yeah. and uh, they put their finger up for it. So, like I say, you don't try and, don't try and rectify a wrong because yeah. it just makes it worse. Yeah. It's great chatting to Crofty and hearing some of his experiences of his time in Melbourne. We'll get back to that very soon. But for now, we're going to flashback and take a listen to last week's episode with our good Welshman friend, Richard Dickey-Sen. Literally, my, the way it was, went on Google, cricket clubs on Gold Coast, just all, all of them came up, sent them a message. Yeah, Keen's playing, not looking for money, you know. Willens coach, all that, and yeah. Ellensville was the only club that responded to me. Really? Out of all of Australia. Wow. Was that Dave? Yeah, Dave. So yeah. Dave responded to me. Um, I applied to ones in Melbourne, Brisbane. I even went Adelaide, mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, and only club that responded. Wow. Make sure you go back and have a listen to that one, but for now, back to Crofty. So I wanted to get into your first game of the Hawks. Was it fourth grade, fifth grade? Uh, I was in fifth grade. Who was captain? Adam Bell was captain. We played at the home of cricket at, at Sam Loxton number five. We played oh, the top We played a lovely team. Welcome to the Gold Coast, Crofty. And we played a lovely team called Palm Beach. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, we played up there. And I just like thought, no, yeah, this is good, a big complex with sporting fields, but I didn't realise that the grass was about, <laughs> like you just couldn't hit a ball along the ground and run anywhere, it was horrible. But, um, and the and wind, wind? The wind. The Sam Loxton doctor. It's so, yeah, so I played, I was fortunate enough, uh, that first game of the year in 2016-17, like I so I was picked in the fifths and um, 
that was my proviso. I said when they Conrad asked me if I wanted, was interested in playing again, was I said I'm happy to play, but I only want to play where Joel was playing if he got selected. Being he was only 15, so yeah, so I was happy enough to play, and we both got picked in the fifths that first game. We ended up we played the whole season there in the fifths together on the belly. So and made the semis, do I recall? That year, uh, we did. Yeah. No, no, sorry, we made the grand final that year. Yes, yeah, you beat yeah. Palm Beach. We beat Palm Beach in the mm-hmm. semi, and uh, we lost two surfers in the grand final at the other home of cricket, so Bruce Small too. <laughs> I did have a noted down, Crofty. In one of in that first season, you bowled in one game, and you bowled three overs, three for sixteen, and you've never bowled another ball for the Hawks. What's going on with that? Oh, I don't know, mate. I was. Uh, I've actually I bowled twice in Queensland. I bowled for uh, the Hawks in when we had our winter team. Oh, the year I yeah. play, played in the winter team, and believe it or not, I uh, took three for ten. I think it was that day. <laughs> I, I was there, and uh, all of them were caught by fields yet deep mid wicket. They were, <laughs> yes. There was a mixture of long hops and full tosses, and uh, I took three wickets in four balls. Wow! Yeah, so so your you, you Queensland figures at what six for twenty something? I've got right? six for twenty six. I think it is off about six overs. I'm so. the bold crafty. No, I think I got <laughs> out when the going was good. I got out, I got out. but no, I uh, yeah, it was one day playing at Merrimack High and mm. we were getting smashed and uh, Bally just went, you might as well have a go, you can't do any worse and yeah. believe it or not, I um, yeah, suckered a few blokes in mm. trying to bowl the leg spin and yeah. Uh, yeah, so the old one in five landed on the pitch and yeah. they'll on the right spot and uh, yeah, I got three wickets that day yeah. and never bowled again. So. Yeah. Well, has there been a best inning so far for the Hawks? Uh, I mean... I know the top score Gilly mentioned, I think, was 70 not out. I don't know if that was the best one. or What was what, your best innings, I guess, you feel you've played the club thus far? Um, no, I haven't had many. I'm getting too old, mate. But, uh, <laughs> no, I don't think it was my best. Like, it was, I've had a... Um, I've had a few 30s. Like, the first couple of years I was here in the, uh, in the fourth grade and, uh, and fifth grade and, you know, I had a a few games we were in uh, tight you know tight spots chasing yeah. and sort of got you know 30 odd not outs or 40 not outs to see us home so they were I placed more significance on that you know on those sort of ones that where you've done something to really mm. win the game yeah we won the game with the 70 not out against Alberton but you know we won easy so mm. that's I think the ones chasing there seem a lot better mm. And you've had uh, well, not only that first season, but at least one more, if not two more, runs at finals. You've had actually a good run of it here, I guess. I know there's not, not been any premiership Josh yet, but I mean, uh, you, you have had the opportunity to play finals on multiple occasions. Uh, two years here. We had, uh, so my first year I was in fifth grade, uh, and the next year I went up to fourth grade and played the whole year in fourths, except for I, I got one game in the thirds. Played in the thirds up at Mount Tambourine under Dave. Some could say it was earned on merit. Others could say because they needed a driver to get Joel from the <laughs> under-17s up to Tambourine. Um, but I really enjoyed the thirds, just that one game that we did play because uh, it sort of brought back a bit of the old days to me. You know, it was a bit more competitive and just the doing proper warm-ups rather than you know, putting the shoes on five minutes before the game and all that. So did enjoy it. But uh, then last season, we not last season, 
2018-19 in the fourths, we uh, that was the year Bally was captain again, mm. and he hand, handed the reins over to me for the captaincy reins at Christmas, and we got beaten in the semi-final, so we shouldn't have lost that one. That That's probably the semi-final that hurts the most mm. because we had it in the bag. We playing Broad Beach, who are a really good side, and we... We kept Broadbeach to 100 and, uh, 140, I think it was, 136, and we we needed about uh, 20 to win with plenty of overs, and we uh, well, I think we basically lost six for eight or something, mm. but we ended up we lost by a run. Mm. So a run, I think it was, or well, it was only a couple yeah, of runs. Yeah, it was it only, went right down to the last yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we basically we blew it. Yeah. So simple as that. So it was, just, uh, it was disappointing, mm. uh, that one. We... But as it turned out, the next week it got rained out, uh, you know, so we would have been the lowest side in the grand final. Yeah. We wouldn't have won anyway, but yeah. uh, still, it would have been nice to have an opportunity. Yeah. So, because at my age, you never know when you're yeah. going to get that opportunity <laughs> again. So, and the captaincy is something you enjoy, something you do again. Um, yeah, I do enjoy it. Look, it's it changed it changed me down in Melbourne when I started when I captain coached. It, it made me grow up. Yeah. It, made me realise that not only my behaviour on the field, but I'm responsible for the other 10 guys mm-hmm. out there. So things where I, when I was at Blackburn, I used to uh, chirp away and chip away because I was able to hide under my brother's coattails <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. And, you know, but when I was captain coach, it made me realise that you have to be a leader and you know what you need your guys to uh, act like on the field you have to be doing it as well you're so, responsible for it yeah. yeah so that was good i've uh, yes i really enjoy the match day side of mm. captaincy and you know I love, especially as i'm getting older i love doing it with a few of the younger kids yeah. in there as well so just trying to pass on like i'm not interested in batting you know, high up the order now. I'm just happy, you know, being in the team with a good bunch of blokes. And it means I bat at number nine, I bat at number nine. Just, to, you know, I'm just there for, you know, hopefully see the kids come on these days. And I want to have success. I'm still as competitive yeah. as ever. Unfortunately, the, probably the, the ability is not quite there anymore, but um, I still want to win. Mm. Don't get me wrong. So, yeah. I, um, I, yeah, I really enjoy the captaincy side of it. But, look, I, I don't miss the... The political side yeah. of the captaincy part mm. that's the same in every club so for those people who whinge about certain things it's the same everywhere yeah. so yeah it was a we won't dwell on too much on the last year but it wasn't a, it was a tough year obviously fifth grade but actually what was your captaincy record oh uh, i had to fill in three times last year connor as captain for craig weber and i'm Fortunately for him, or fortunately for me, we had three wins in the three games. So, we'll just uh, note that away. Yeah, yeah no, I was, I'm quite happy to remind Barbecue about my <laughs> captaincy record. So, oh, good. We, we should uh, touch on the fact, too, that you uh, you have really jumped into the heaping side of things, I guess, in the past couple of years. I know it's something you have enjoyed. Uh, was that something where did that come up because you needed to fill in one time and you enjoyed it, or what, what happened there? Yeah, well, it, it happened early early in the season a couple of years ago when uh, we had Jeremy Gale was keeping him in the fours. Mm. Uh, Glenn Banfield was in the thirds, I think it was. And Glenn hurt his shoulder early in the season. Um, and then, so Jeremy went to third grade and then it basically come down and Bally's gone, we haven't got a keeper. 
And I said, well, I kept it under 14. So, <laughs> and I, like I used to keep a fair bit of training. We used to do a lot of centre wicket training mm-hmm. in Melbourne. Um, and I'd do a fair bit of keeping on a Thursday night just to give the keeper a break, mm-hmm. you know, like our one's keeper a break. So, I, you know, to me, it was fine just standing back, you know, and so I had a go and absolutely loved it. And I've got, I got to the stage where I wasn't enjoying the fielding as much uh, as I used to. Um, I, you know, like I throw the ball 30 metres and the arm nearly falls off and <laughs> all that. But also noticed that I was starting to struggle with the eyes, um, picking up the the ball in the air. Yeah. It was all right along the ground, but it was the, I think they call it uh, depth perception. Yeah. I When it went up in the air, I just couldn't judge it properly. So um, I was starting to drop a few balls, which I used to always pride myself on the field. Because yeah. if I failed with the bat, I could still save 20, 30 runs in the field. That's the way I looked mm-hmm. at it. And, um, and I was starting to get to the stage where I didn't want the ball coming to me. Yeah. And I that's a worry and the keeping gave me a new lease of life basically and absolutely loved it so uh, and, and realistically best seat in the house you know you can see it and yeah and able to give the skippers a bit of advice you know that I've had Belly and Craig and that just mm-hmm. saying oh you need to do this and need to do that probably they probably wish I'd shut up sometimes but <laughs> no it was good. Got a couple more questions jotted down here before we go into you know the, the throwdowns to finish but uh uh, I know a memorable one for you. Uh, maybe I'm stealing something that would come up in the throwdowns, but uh, being there for Joel's hundred, uh, uh, you know, you're you're one of the hard men of the club. But I know I think you got a little bit emotional that day. You were at the other end when uh, Joel went and scored his maiden hundred. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, we were uh, playing at Runaway Bay, number three down the bottom. Um, decent cricket grounds down there where the ball runs, but we were in a little bit of trouble early and uh, Joel and Fieldsy had a massive partnership that day. Um, and it come down to the last over and I think Joel went into the last over, he was on 92 I think it was, and uh, second second ball of the last over, Fieldsy sacrificed himself, run himself out coming back for a second. He was no hope of making it mm. just to get Joel back on strike. So, which was great at Fieldsy, but so I came in, I came into bat and there was four balls left in the innings and uh, Joel was on uh, 97 mm-hmm. with four balls to go. So, so I said, do you want to know how many you are? And he says, no, nah, no. Nah. I said, well, you're 97, you might not get this chance again. <laughs> so I'm going to so he hit the first one down to deep long on and I charged off like it was Carl Lewis and I took <laughs> off and I, I, um, come back for the second and made it easily, you know, relive the glory years. So Joel's on 99 with three balls to go. So I'm ready to take off. Next ball, he just pats it straight down the wicket. I nearly run myself out because I was just running and he's just blocked it back to the bowler. So all good. Uh, second last ball, he's, uh, the bloke gave him a full toss and he just hit it straight down the ground for a single. So uh, that was his 100. Big moment. Big moment. Uh, then I had to face my last, first, last ball, yeah. first and last ball of the innings, <laughs> and got a full banger. Got a full banger, and all I could do was bottom edge it down for a single. And uh, I actually commented, "It's pretty hard to face a ball when you got tears streaming in your face." <laughs> but um, yeah, that was magnificent being out there. Mm. Um, and the, you've had the chance uh, over fifties this winter with the uh, Gold Coast sort of side of things. Uh, something you're enjoying? Loved it. Never even knew it existed. Uh, so 
yeah, give him my age away now, Connor. Thanks for that. But yeah, just turned <laughs> only 50. just, only just. just eligible. Just turned fifty a couple of weeks ago, um, and I'd been contacted by a guy from Gold Coast Cricket about playing in the over fifties, which is a winter comp. Um, so I went to a few training sessions at Palm Beach, and most of the team of guys from Palm Beach. Uh, which I was a little bit hesitant about, but um, they're a really good bunch of guys. And we, because of the COVID, we haven't started until just recently. And we uh, we played our first game up on the Sunshine Coast and absolutely loved it. And it was, it was a good standard of cricket too. Yeah. So I didn't realise it was so big. Like Cricket Gold Coast, we've got six over 50s teams wow. in this winter cricket. Yeah, which is, it's a all over comp so there's Toowoomba there's yeah. Sunshine Coast there's a team from White Bay which is Bundaberg mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's fairly big so we've got it's only five games we play five games mm-hmm. of 45 overs a side so mm-hmm. it makes sense the older we get the more more overs we play but <laughs> yeah no so there's a few of us uh, Beardy and Jeff Lindemann are playing in the Div 1 side and uh, myself Craig Webber are playing and Mick Windleborn. Uh, played in another team last week, and I believe Dave Rogers and Randall King are going to be starting the next game as well. So I didn't realise it was good. It was good. You play on really good grounds, and uh, yeah, it's good fun. So. Nice to meet some different people from the different clubs. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was different. So no, I enjoyed it. It's good. All right, Crofty, here we go. Our throwdowns. Five questions we ask every single guest. Uh, who is the best player that you've played with at the Hawks? Well. I would have to say, and I'd have to say Ben Daly, because um, I've played with Ben. So obviously the guys who are up the top, I haven't played with them. But uh, Ben, as unconventional as he can be with the bat, he can just turn a game in six overs. Like he can win the game in six overs, ten overs. And to see the things he did in fourth grade playing with him, he was a freak. So mm-hmm. I've. I've never seen a ball a bloke hit the ball so hard and so consistently as well. So I'd have to say Ben for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've got one. I feel you could come up with here, but I'll see uh, see if you're on the same page as me. But best player you've played against? Well, well, well I guess uh, while you're at the Hawks, but also yeah. I'm happy to take one from uh, especially if they're fans. Oh no, I'll, I'll I'll stick to I'll stick to up here because I could say anyone from Melbourne, <laughs> but yeah, you wouldn't know, but. I would think the best player I've played against up here was in fourth grade was Scott Day from Surface Paradise. And he, like this particular year, he made a couple of seasons ago, he made 900 odd runs mm. for the year. And he is a genuine, really, really good bat. And mm. one of those guys that you'd say, oh, I'd love to have seen him 20 years ago, mm. but oh, he was just awesome. And we had a pretty good bowling attack and he just smashed us. Mm. So, yeah, I'd say Scott Day. What about uh, a funniest memory on field, off the field? Yeah, same thing. I'll keep it to up here, but uh, I've got two. I'll keep it quick, but uh, <laughs> playing winter cricket. Um, we're up at Alberton on the synthetic ground, and uh, the great man, Luke Denham, was fielding it long on, and there was a ball that was skied out deep to Denno on the boundary, and he's... Uh, run a few steps and put in a bit of a dive for the ball and he's gone down. He missed the ball. Uh, he's gone down and he was, he was all over the joint holding his shoulder like so from a distance we all know Deno's popped his shoulder or something and we're all a bit concerned and, uh, and Deno gets up and there was a lamppost there next to their sight screen and 
next thing Deno just starts charging the lamppost <laughs> and uh, popping his shoulder back in by himself. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And then we said, you're right, Deno? Yep, yep, good to go. So the game continued. So that was, that was an absolute ripper. And also uh, another one involving Deno in winter cricket. There was... Uh, we were fielding and we were playing aside um, and most of the winter cricket that year was Islanders, mm-hmm. the Cook Islands and those sorts of guys. We were playing the game and uh, the last two wickets were run out mm-hmm. and there was the same guy caused both run outs and he was a Pakistani <laughs> and he, the last guy he run out was an Indian. Yeah. So. They, uh, we're celebrating the end of the game. We've won the game and we sort of started coming in. And we look across and we hear this yelling in their language at each other. Next thing, the Indians punch the Pakistani <laughs> and the, the Pakistanis whack the Indian with the bat. <laughs> and so Deno's run in to break it up and Deno wore the bat when the, when the guy was on his back speak. So that was, uh, that was memorable. And the other one in the Saturday cricket was... We played Elverton at Brockman uh, a couple of years ago and there was a fair bit of argy-bargy uh, from one guy from Elverton. Uh, I won't know his name, but he's well known apparently. And he replaced Tony Bella as the umpire at Square Leg because he think, thought that Tony was uh, cheating, which uh, Tony took you know, a bit of umbrage at because, you know, like no one likes being called a cheat. Yeah. So, you know, we get decisions wrong or whatever, but uh, he kicked Tony off the ground, so it caused a fair bit of uh, fair bit of words amongst the two teams. Anyway, it got very tight at the end, and um, Bally was batting, and this guy had been keeping. Um, so we needed, uh, we needed four to win off the last over with one wicket in hand, and this guy brings himself on to bowl to Bally, mm-hmm. and Bally's hit the first one through covers for two, um, then the next ball, the next ball, this guy who was given all the grief bowls, Bally's edged it straight between the hands of a second slip over his head for two to win the game. <laughs> and so I was umpiring at that end and I put the hand out to shake his hand and give him his cap back mm-hmm. and he just snatched the cap and wouldn't shake my hand. Mm-hmm. So I reminded him that he was a great bloke. Um, <laughs> but then we've all shook hands yeah. and then Bally's run up to this... Uh, their guy who was captain also and said there's two types of W's out here mate one's a winner and one's a wanker <laughs> and I'm a winner and started running off <laughs> and this guy started chasing Bally he chased him right across the field at Brockman and he was making like monkey noises and everyone thought it was going to be on for young and old and yeah this guy just started chasing Bally making monkey noises and uh, everything calmed down in the end but uh, I've never come across this bloke ever but yeah it's just there's two types of W's out here I'll never forget that a favourite win for the horse yeah it was I'll go back to first year I was here in the semi-final against Palm Beach. It was down at Palm Beach. Um, it was our, sorry, was that, yeah, it was at Malawa. Palm Beach were the only team they had in the fifth grade. was their only team in the finals that year, so they had their whole club on wow. the hill there, uh, just hurling abuse all day. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly intense out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, every batsman, you know, was getting send-offs. Every fielder, you know, was getting abuse mm-hmm. non-stop. But they were undefeated at the, at the mm-hmm. time, Palm Beach, very good side. And then uh, we rolled them for 92 in the mm-hmm. semi-final. Um, same, Joel had a cracker in the semi, took, uh, he took uh, three for 16 or something yeah, yeah. like that in the 
in the semi-final and they all just came out and oh, hit this little kid out of mm-hmm. the park and you know sucked them in sort of thing which we had great delight in telling them too yeah. because of, you know a 15 year old just got them out so when we passed them three down in the semi-final so uh, yeah that, that was a ripper because just the amount of abuse that we copped over the field and 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 from them because they they just couldn't handle being beaten it was the first time they got beaten for the year so it really stood out that we uh, that we won and unfortunately we uh, we blew it in the grand final the week after. Lastly, Crofty, what keeps you coming back to the Hawks, mate? The love of cricket. Um, as Simon uh, Vandercrook said the other, you know, a few weeks ago, just need that me time or blokes time. That's very important. Um, but just love of cricket and love just being around the boys. And, and also having playing with my son as well, it's just... Uh, it's just been you know, really good and being close to home is just really you know, great place to be around. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Crofty. Thank you, Crofty. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed that chat with uh, Crofty. I didn't, I didn't know a lot about his background. Um, I mean, it makes sense. The majority of his life, he's, he's lived in Melbourne, um, but it was great to hear about some of his um, cricketing stories and even the umpiring. I, I really enjoyed that and his his um, his story there. So yeah, it was great to get to know him a little bit better. Yeah, I, I guess I've been really fortunate been close to Crofty for a long time now so uh, I guess I knew a few of those stories but it was great to get him to uh, elaborate on a few bits and pieces and uh, yeah I felt like that was another really uh, good chat so uh, anyway uh, look next week on the Hawkcast we speak to an up-and-coming Hawk in uh, Jimmy Guthrig he was uh, he was great uh, here's a little bit of uh, what you can look forward to. New batsman at yeah. the crease I bowl the rankest local <laughs> toss ever seen. Hits Going a... for the Yorker? I don't know. What I, <laughs> I didn't have. To, I didn't have enough time to think. I just kind yeah. of got the ball and bowl. Like I don't. I don't think that much. I'm just like I know what I need to do, and yeah. then I just bowled that loose ball. Gets hit straight to Darcy. He's picked it up. He's gone. Oh yeah, we've. You know, we've won the game. <laughs> and then this, he just comes non-striker. Gets like he's running faster than anyone's ever run before. <laughs> he's coming back for the second. He's like chuck it in, Darcy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throws it like at. Ankle high, have to pick up and run him out in the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, until uh, next week, uh, thanks again for tuning in.